on Broadway for Thursday, October 17th, 2019. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Hey, James Marino. Welcome back. A rare two-show week for you and I. And a rare, what, three-show week for you so far? Uh, yeah, I haven't done this uh, since the uh, beginning of the summer. I know, it's got to like, feel like the old days for you, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens uh, when, we, when, when, when we have uh, so much, it's that busy so fall, much news. That busy fall, yeah, we've got another jam-packed, action-packed show, but... Before we get to all that, of course, I have to send you all over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash <laughs> patreon, pick your poison, to support our work. James, that is very exciting, the flipped address. I did check that out before we started recording. Ah, uh, yeah, I love my little... Uh, <laughs> little uh, tricks. I, I, little I, tricks I, of the trade. I use technology to fix my mistakes. I like you know? it. <laughs> should I re-record that segment, or should I figure figure out a redirect <laughs> of the page? You know? I'll, just, I'll just code it in to fix exactly. it. Exactly. We don't have time to go back. <laughs> no, you got to press on, press yeah. forward. Yes, exactly. indeed. All right, let's press on to the news. All right, The Lightning Thief opens on Broadway. Yes, indeed, James. We are on our second Broadway opening of the week. Following its national tour, The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, officially opened last night at Broadway's Longacre Theater. The musical, based on the young adult fantasy adventure novel, follows Percy Jackson, played here by Chris McCarroll, a young man who discovers he is the son of gods and suddenly has powers he cannot control. Be More Chill writer Joe Trace and director Stephen Brackett reunited on the project, and Rob Rokicki wrote the music and lyrics, marking his Broadway debut. Unfortunately for fans of the books, the reviews so far have been akin to those for the movies. Jesse Green at the New York Times calls it, quote, a far cry from Olympus, writing... The current version of The Lightning Thief has all the charm of a tension headache. To disguise its inaptness for Broadway, the original creative team has doubled its length, added a clutch of unnecessary songs, and generally inflated the material so hard that it explodes whatever mild pleasures made the book worth adapting in the first place. Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter writes in his bottom line, the infantilization of Broadway continues, and apparently having reviewed it in 2017 and giving it a rave, the show's producers, he writes, apparently took my review and many other favorable notices too much to heart. Arriving on Broadway following the national tour for a limited run, time to the upcoming holiday season, Natch, the lightning thief, the Percy Jackson musical, has lost all all of its charms, while gaining a dramatic uptick in ticket prices. What seemed innovative, uh, what seemed inventive and clever in the confines of a small off-Broadway theater feels utterly wan in its current incarnation. And Helen Shaw, in one of her last reviews for Time Out before heading over to The New Yorker, writes, In order to enjoy The Lightning Thief, you'll need to read the book. Many of the show's current attendees obviously have. Second, secondary characters get entrance applause. But while those young theatergoers can fill in any missing details from memory, the challenge of turning a YA Bildungsroman full of epic battles and road trips and snake-haired monsters into a musical has overwhelmed the creative team. In staying faithful to the novel, they've wound up with a mess. 
This is kind of a strange show so far, James, kind of in every possible way, though I have seen, you know, more marketing for it in the last couple of weeks than I'd seen previously. I don't know if I'll get to see it, considering the MTA killed my press opportunity this past weekend by stranding me past curtain. But the reviews, <laughs> uh, yeah, what else is new? The reviews obviously are rough. I think this was very much a musical intended for the fans specifically. What I know, they made some movies. The movies were not good, and this seems like it's here to make up for it a bit. And Maybe it does do that for fans or some of the fans, maybe not, but you know, it still has to bring in a full audience and judging by these reviews, I don't see that happening. Yeah, the the grosses on this have been brutal for Lightning Thief and, right, and yeah. I think people were uh, uh close to the production were hoping that the reviews would help turn that around. I right. I, I don't know what happens here. I go to see it uh I think Monday night. I think do they? Have, mm. They must have a Monday show because I think I'm seeing it Monday night, um, and uh, I guess we'll talk about it on this week on Broadway, but yeah. probably not for a week or so. And uh, you know, this this is. Uh, uh, I, I saw a pretty snarky post over on Facebook that said that a show like this could stop children from reading. Oh so, boy, uh, that's that's harsh. Yeah. So. Um, you know, we, we, as we say uh, very often here, uh, not everything is going to be a home run, uh, but hopefully these creative folks will regroup and come back at us with another project that yes, uh, clicks in a better way. We You're talk so about a, uh, another project um, that we heard some news on this afternoon was Limpica. The Limpica musical will play La Jolla Playhouse in a long-rumored uh, to be on track for Broadway. Limpica will head to La Jolla Playhouse for a spring 2020 run ahead of a subsequent production on the Great White Way. Town Rachel Chavkin will direct, having helmed the world premiere last year at Williamstown Theater Festival, the WTF, featuring music by Macould and a book by Carson Kritzer. Kritz, Kritzer. Kreitzer. Parts and Kreitzer. Limpica follows aristocrat-turned-artist uh, Tamara de, de Limpica, who is forced to flee the Russian Revolution to Paris with her husband. Sounds Anastasia-ish. And it is a, here. A she... very different Anastasia. <laughs> One I am much more into. <laughs> it is here she meets at... Uh, the free-spirited Rafaela in Parisian art circle who ignites a sexual and creative awakening. Yes, that's a very different... (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't see the end of that sentence. You see, because I... Ashley wrote fanfic for Yeah, so, you know, Ashley and I, you know, still getting our groove here. See, Matt knows that, uh, you know... um, that he he can throw little uh, surprises into the script here because I will <laughs> the first time I'm reading it is, is as we're recording, <laughs> so um, yeah, this is a little bit different than Anastasia. So anyway, the Williamstown <laughs> Williamstown production starred Eden Espinosa and Carmen Cusack. Uh, casting and exact dates have yet to be announced for the La Jolla run, but producers are eyeing a subsequent Broadway bow or bow during the 2020 2021 season. Love it. Every now and then I get a show on Broadway about queer women. It's very every now and then, but Mm -hmm. every time, very excited. I really hope they keep the cast on this. I'll be surprised if they do, but especially Carmen, depending on when the Pika 
opens either in 2020 or 2021 will have been what four or five years since her debut with bright star mm-hmm. I mean, this is a big one and having just attended hades town again earlier this week i mean give rachel chavkin every show on broadway she wants forever uh yeah i mean uh just an uh an incredible uh, eye that Rachel Chavkin has yes. with unbelievable, with not only just storytelling, but just uh, just a, a three hundred and sixty view on stage. Storytelling, building the team that she needs to tell the story, so it's all encompassing. Yeah, I just adore her. I cannot wait for this show. Uh, whatever version of Anastasia you've seen, apparently, James, mm. this is yeah. uh, <laughs> a little bit different. Little bit. This is not your mom's Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Matt tells me that uh, we 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 uh, are missing the um, the Pasadena Playhouse uh, Little Shop because it's closing up this week. Uh, but perhaps we'll have to get on the Broadway Radio Jet to head yeah. out to. Uh, to La Jolla. I know. Uh, gotta get over there. Gotta get over and see that. Gotta get over and see Lempica before it comes to Broadway. And, you know, whatever else La Jolla wants to throw in. Yeah, did uh, did we talk about the, uh, the, the, the one-night Tommy La Jolla thing last no, week? No, I didn't oh, we, with yeah. anybody. So, yeah, um, that that's... Uh, more to miss out on, I guess. Yeah, La Jolla. Here in old New York. Yeah, we're, we're you know, we're building a friggin' arc here tonight. It, <laughs> it's it's like, there there's like winds picking up like Auntie M is uh, yeah. scuttling around and uh, <laughs> and tons of rain like we're building an arc. And the people Ooh. in La Jolla are having uh, white wine spritzers in good theater. a great old time, yeah. Yeah, so we have to check that out. You now, Broadway Radio from La Jolla, we'll have to do that. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, Soft Power Reviews. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, but in addition to the Rose Tattoo opening, uh, the highly anticipated Soft Power opened off-Broadway at The Public. The new play musical hybrid written by David Henry Huang and Janine Tesori and helmed by Lee Silverman is an exploration of America's current place in the world told through an East-West musical from China's point of view in which a theater producer from Shanghai forges a powerful bond with Hillary Clinton. Conrad Rickamora, Francis Jew, and Elise Allen Lewis star in the production, which will run through November 10th. The reviews all seem to follow the same path, unfortunately, calling it creative but confused. And a couple to note, Jesse Green at the New York Times writes... Bristling with ideas that rarely get dramatized, let alone in such imaginative form, it is something of a miracle, but also something of a muddle. The ideas scrambling over one another for prominence in the ingenious form, unable to corral them. Still, those ideas about the betrayals inherent in love, democracy, and musicals themselves are too exciting and important to dismiss by quibbling them to death. And Helen Shaw at Time Time Out writes, Maximalism in both the show's strength is both the show's strength and its weakness. Soft power is as stuffed as a ballot box. There are some thrills in the show, not least the final image, but the show still seems to be finding its feet, working out the order in which it wants to tell its story and Wang's place in it. A great deal of thinking has gone into soft power as well as anger and despair. Now it is. Now it just needs to discover its flow. 
And you know, James, in a rare occurrence, I seem to agree most with the New York Times <laughs> that the ideas <laughs> seem too exciting and important to dismiss. In you know, he does Green does go on to say the show doesn't really make it any easier to praise, but even if it has kinks to work out, I typically go to see a show at the public to see innovation, and the show seems very innovative, and I will continue to be excited about it. Yeah, I mean that—that's really the mantra of the public—is to, yep. uh, is you know, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Damn we're, the we're torpedoes, gonna, indeed. You know, art first, commerce yeah. second, which yes. uh, it, it is a great Gotta place for. The, you know, the public has been a leader in that uh, around the world. I love it. All right. What do we have in other news? Yeah, a few extensions and casting announcements for the day, including a few major Broadway-bound projects. First up, Soho Rep announced that their production of For All the Women Who Thought They Were Mad will play an additional week. Previously scheduled through November 17th, the American premiere will now continue through November 24th. The show, written by Zowie Ashton, who is currently starring on Broadway in Betrayal, explores the impact of work expectations and childlessness and motherhood and the chasm between the healthcare system and the mental wellness of women of color. Definitely a show that is on my agenda, so hopefully going to get to see that soon. Now everyone else has an extra week to do so as well. Also announced yesterday, National Yiddish Theater folks began creative team for the New York debut of Barry Manilow and Bruce Sussman's Harmony was announced. Warren Carlyle will direct and choreograph the production, which will begin previews on Fe- February 11th with an official run from March 4th through the 29th at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in New York City. What? <laughs> they're, they're, they're running f- three weeks? Yeah. I, I'm... You know, three three weeks and a month of previews. It seems. Yeah, there 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 there. There's not enough. <laughs> I, 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 James I, is here to James is here to interrupt the news to tell I, you. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. There's there's going to be an extension there. <laughs> you would think so, considering they talked about how. I mean, this is probably going to end up on Broadway at some point, or at least yeah. they're aiming for it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the creative team will also include John O'Neill as music director, Beowulf Bora on set design, Linda Cho on costume design, Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower on lighting design, and Dan Moses Schreier on that's, sound design. That's totally a creative team that does a three-week off-Broadway run. <laughs> that's I totally, I you know. know what, I don't know. What I mean, they have more friggin' Tony Awards in that list than... Mm, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we gotta we gotta pay the rent with a three week Barry Manilow run. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, James. Wrapping up a big day of casting announcements and a big day for Rachel Chavkin. We finally know who we're calling Ishmael American Repertory Theater as they announce the cast and creative team for the upcoming premiere of Dave Malloy's Moby Dick. Manic Chotsky will play Ishmael, supported by a cast of Tom Nellis, Star Busby, Kaylin West, Anna Ishida, Andrew Christie, Matt Kreiser, J.D. Mollison, Eric Berryman, Morgan Siobhan Green, Ashkin Davaran, Tim Blank, and Don L. Trope. The creative team will be led by Chavkin at the helm and Malloy on books, music, and lyrics and orchestrations. All four are going at it. 
Performances of the new adaptation of Herman Melville's classic novel will begin December 3rd at the Loeb Drama Center in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with a run from December 11th to January 12th. Probably another Broadway-bound show at some point. And more Rachel Chafkin. Hmm. And finally, James, some surprising news coming from Playwrights Horizons yesterday. Tim Sanford, who has been at the organization as the artistic director for 25 years and with it as a whole for 35 years, will step down at the end of the next season. This will be PH's 50th season, meaning he has led the organization for literally half of its history. He will be succeeded by his longtime deputy and the theater's associate director, Adam Greenfield. This also comes the same day that Playwrights announced its cast for Lucas Nath's upcoming The Thin Place, which will make its New York premiere beginning November 22nd through January 5th. The production will feature Randy Danson, Kelly McAndrew, Emily Cass McDonald, and Trini Sandoval with direction by Les Waters. So pretty surprising to see, James. Always surprising when someone who has been at an organization so long steps down and passes the torch. And Playwrights Horizons has done some really incredible pieces lately obviously with dance nation a strange loop some great work in the past 25 years with three pulitzer winners and also some very big misses (laughs) but always pretty innovative and creative so i'm very much looking forward to seeing what adam greenfield does in this role this is really incredible. I mean, Tim Sanford's work over Playwrights Horizons has... 25 has, years! I mean... I, 25 years in this this off-Broadway, non-profit space on the west side of Manhattan yeah. that building their own stuff. I, I mean, on and off stage, Tim, Tim Sanford has just made... A hundred year imprint upon the theatrical community. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just bravo to him. Absolutely incredible. So what do we have in our recommendation section? Yeah, we've got two recommendations on the on the Christ. We've got two recommendations on the day, James, both from the New York Times. First up, the Civilians and Ghostlight Records will be releasing nine albums of previously unrecorded work from the late Michael Friedman, composer of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, Love's Labor's Lost, amongst others, which the first phase of that will be coming on Friday tomorrow with the first three albums. The Times got the first listen to three of those tracks, which are from some of the shows that he did with the civilians. And I've got to say on a personal note, I've spent the past several months with this project working on a piece for American theater as well. I can't wait for these albums to be in the world and anyone who knew Michael Friedman and or has heard his work just knows how wildly innovative and creative he was. It's going to be very exciting to hear all these projects most people haven't had a chance to hear yet and just further build his legacy and get people all around the globe to hear these works. And the second James is so, so good. (laughs) And I've been thinking about it all day. It was all over social media this morning. I texted to so many people Times writer Alexander Jacobs, who is a feature writer and editor at the Times, is about to release a new biography on the late, great Elaine Stritch. 
And ahead of that, she ran this glorious piece called Love Elaine Stritch, Thank the Part She Didn't Get, which covers some of the roles she didn't get throughout her career, including the 1965 West End production of Hello, Dolly, Dorothy's Bornack in The Golden Girls, Miss Hannigan and Annie, and my absolute favorite bit in the West End production of Cats, which essentially broke down how much she hated Cats, that she wanted to see a show expecting to be remorseful for not, you know, getting in and just hated every second of it and left it intermission. Oh my goodness! Uh, an international treasure, <laughs> but that it's amazing. And I've I've just been thinking all day about you know what her Dorothy's Bornack would look like, what her Miss Hannigan would look like, which is I can't stop thinking about what her Miss Hannigan would look like. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's almost like Miss Hannigan was based on her. <sighs> too good, too good. I, I just miss what she didn't do off stage. Could you imagine mm. what she would say about Mr. Trump? Oh God. Oh. Her her and George Carlin are the people that I miss most these days. All right, Ashley, why don't you get us out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And if you haven't had a, ha- haven't already, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon to back us. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley. James, take us out of here. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. Ashley, you and are, are you and Matt here tomorrow? I think so. I'm here. So You're here. I'm so, here, so I'm assuming Matt will be as well if you don't already know. Yes. So hopefully uh, Ashley <laughs> and Matt will take you into the weekend. On Saturday, yes. Jan Simpson's got a uh, special for us that Matt will tell you more about tomorrow. And on Sunday, we have This Week on Broadway, so that's the next time you will hear me. And uh, everybody stay dry. It's pretty wet out there today. Uh-huh.